basically I found myself in the midst of an abortion that I did not want and I had no other choice at the moment. And I'm like, I don't want to do this, stop. And they told me it was too late. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we'll be talking about Christianity and the difference of a works-based theology versus an understanding of God's grace and salvation. Now, when people think of Christianity, it's easy to think it's just a religion with a set of rules and regulations, where if you abide by it, you can experience going to heaven. So, a works-based theology is basically where you are believing that if you are a good person or do good things, you can achieve heaven, and that heaven is basically for good people. Most world religions today also say the same type of thing. But does it really work like that? Today, we'll have Beverly Weaver, who grew up in a strict Christian family, but ended up with so many years of guilt due to having an abortion, divorce, and all types of issues in her life. She today is going to explain to us the reality of trying to do a works-based Christian life and how that changed for her. Beverly, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Beverly. Thank you so much for sharing this. As I know for years, these sins that you committed in life were private and no one was really knowing about it. But I know as you share, someone is going to get better understanding and someone is going to experience the grace of God. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up in a works-based theology in your Christian upbringing. Well, as young as I can remember, I just always loved the Lord, and I always wanted to be good enough and tried hard to do good enough for His love, but I always felt unworthy and not good enough. The more I tried to do good, then I would mess up, which led me to feel like I was stupid or a failure and You know, it was just like a cycle of ups and downs throughout puberty, through my teenage years, all into my adulthood life. And it was basically because I thought it was my willpower that I had to be strong enough to be good enough. Looking back now, I realized I focused on staying away from the sin. And the more I focused on the sin, the closer I wound up getting to it. For instance, like in teenage years, we were taught you're to not have sex. Mm -hmm. But there was so much in between a first kiss and that final moment that nobody really explained. So it was like I would wind up playing with fire and not even knowing how I got to those feelings and things because I was focusing on not having sex versus focusing on Christ and just looking at His glory, you know, focus on His glory, and sin just kind of falls away. Hmm. But I didn't get that for many, many, many years. Ah, yes. Sometimes we focus so hard on not doing something that inevitably, that's all we think about. (laughs) I understand that you were a virgin for most of your young life. You were a good Christian, but you didn't quite make it to marriage and you ended up getting pregnant. What happened there? 
the man who wanted me and my first husband, we've known each other since we were in kindergarten. We grew up together in church. Our first kiss, I was 10 behind the church building. But then he became like my best friend. But in my later teens, we became intimate. We fell in love. But we still tried to not go too far. But we did. When I was 17, I wound up pregnant. My father was an elder in the church. And all I could see was shame. I didn't understand grace. We weren't really taught about grace. And even though in debate classes throughout school, I was against abortions. When it came to it, I was so scared and thought my family would disown me. Because of my shame, I couldn't talk to anybody except for one girlfriend. And she more or less said, well, you know, you've just got to do whatever you want to do. And he was like, too young for this. I can't handle it. So I answered an ad in the newspaper that was giving out free pregnancy tests. So I went there. I was underage. They didn't ask for an ID. They didn't ask for anything. But basically, I found out at the end that, yes, I was pregnant, but I had to sign a contract where I would have to pay money for this pregnancy test, which I did not have, Mm. or I would have to have a termination of pregnancy, and the test would be free. Of course, I was still young and dumb, not putting it all together, but basically I found myself in the midst of an abortion that I did not want, mm-hmm. and I had no other choice at the moment, and even laying on the table, I'm like, I don't want to do this, stop, mm-hmm. and they told me it was too late, I wouldn't have come this far if I didn't want it, mm-hmm. so it was not stopped, and as I said, I was only 17 years old, so that led for nightmares and all that kind of stuff, and found myself six months later having sex once again with the same man and getting pregnant again. Mm. That time we did get married and did have a marriage that lasted for like 16 years, but it was not without its struggle. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's really horrible. Because the truth is you had the choice to stop anywhere through that process. I mean, it's really horrible how the abortion clinic trapped you like that. Tell me, looking back, if you could live that moment again, what would you have done different knowing what you know now? I would have told somebody. I did not realize until I was in my late 40s that shame and guilt were not godly attributes. So I did not tell people. I grew up in a church that was very strict and legalistic, Mm. and yet because we didn't really show grace, I did not realize how freeing that would be. If I had it to do over again, I would definitely have told somebody. If there had been one person holding one poster on the sidewalk, that's why I'm a very strong supporter of that. Even if it were across the street, I would not have gone through with it. In hindsight, I talked about it for the first time in my mid-40s when I got into a church which very much taught grace and found myself in not even being there two weeks, just letting everything out of my life in a ladies' class one night. And it was the most freeing thing I'd ever done. Nobody looked at me like I was this horrible person. I just, all my garbage through all my life had come out, and they all loved me. And nobody was yelling at me for being a bad person. Mm. And that would just change my life. It changed my life. Mm. It sounds like this is a moment when you truly experience salvation because you had a clear understanding that you couldn't do it on your own anymore and you needed for God to forgive you and help you to move on. This sounds like the moment when you met Jesus for real and you received him. What was that like? It was wonderful. When I got the grace that 
changed everything for me. The grace, what it did for me was show me that no matter what I lived through, at my very worst moment, he would have still died for me alone. There was nobody else on the face of the earth. Even if I was in the gutter in my absolute worst place, he loved me and it wasn't what I was doing. The way he saw me was not you're a bad person. The way that he saw me was as a broken hearted father because I was making all this messes in my life. I used to see God kind of as, you know, he's this king, you're supposed to bow down worship where that is true. But I saw him as if I made a mistake. He was the evil father that was going to beat me upside the head every time I screwed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse my language, but that's how I saw him. Yeah. And then after I saw grace, it was like, he's this big papa that if you fall down, he's going to pick you up and kiss your wounded knees and, and, you know, like put you on a bicycle and let's go again. Okay, you fell down, but let's get out of the mud and start all over. And it changed everything for me. Of course, Beverly, that is a huge change for you because instead of trying to live a right life on your own, now you had Jesus to empower you to live a truly holy life. And I understand that God brought you from feeling unworthy to now understanding you are in Christ and full of value. Thanks so much for opening up about your past secret sin. And today you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Great having you with us today. Thanks again. Don't go anywhere. Have some deep thoughts to share with you right after the break. My friends, this is Evangelist Onlay, and I have a huge heart to study how Jesus is working in people's lives today and how he can change the lives of so many more. Will you partner with me to get this show on another radio station in a different state? Together, we're learning and demonstrating that Jesus is alive and touching lives everywhere. Help us to get out the good news. We're looking for monthly giving partners from $5 a month to $100 a month. Anything helps. You can learn more about this by going to AwakeningTheNations.com. That's AwakeningTheNations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at AwakeningTheNations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's AwakeningTheNations.com or 877-480-4477. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? To me, this is a great topic to talk about because I think there's so many people who would agree with Beverly's previous thought on life. Like, it kind of makes sense. When we're all younger, we could tend to have this thought that being good is ideal and only good people get into heaven. But is this really possible? Surely we may all agree that bad and wicked people don't get to go to heaven because they didn't do anything to deserve heaven, right? One could say heaven belongs to those who earn it. It's a place where the good go and hell is a place where the bad go. But does it really work this way? I know there are some who may have felt like they were good people. And then life comes and you start making poor decisions. You start feeling bad. Is there any hope? Well, there is. Let me show you something. In ancient scripture, there is a parable in Matthew chapter 21 through 14. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, 
Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. Hmm. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who've borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. What's interesting in this parable is all the people are doing a different amount of work, but they all got the same reward, a single denarius. Doesn't sound fair, does it? According to this payment, it's not based upon their work. It's based upon an agreement or an understanding. That is because of the central idea in scripture that exists. You know what that is? Is written in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. According to these scriptures, it's not good people that get into heaven. Rather, it's those who receive the free gift of God, which is salvation and faith through Jesus Christ. So, Lord Jesus, we receive that free gift of salvation. We receive you, Lord Jesus. We repent of our sins. We repent of our trying to be good enough to get in heaven. And we instead receive you, Lord Jesus, and your grace. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. Did you know we have a Facebook page? Just search for Real Life Radio Show on Facebook and find out more about Real Life Radio guests, schedules, and events. That's Real Life Radio Show. See you next time.